Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ho, 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 hello, and welcome back to Bar Humbug, the movie podcast that has actually researched what goes into a candy cane martini, but thinks it sounds utterly horrible. I'm your host, Helen O'Hara, and today we're going to be talking about Single All the Way, the Netflix movie starring Michael Urey and Philemon Chambers as two roommates who might just be more. Yes, sound the klaxon people, because we have another one of those best friends who might just be soulmates situations. That's because Michael Urey's Peter, that's his character, brings his roommate Tim, that's Chambers, home for the holidays with his family. Now, Peter tries to persuade Tim to pretend to be his boyfriend so that his family won't fret about his continuing singlehood, because as we all know, in these films, being single is the worst possible thing a human being can be. But Peter's mum, Kathy Najimi's Carol, or Christmas Carol, as she prefers to be called at this time of year, sets him up with her spinning instructor, James, played by Luke McFarlane. And the pair discover that they don't need to pretend to be boyfriend and boyfriend after all. Only, what if it's not a ruse in the end? And what if they are actually in love with each other? Well, no prizes for guessing. But this is an extremely cute story. And it has an amazing supporting cast that includes the likes of Jennifer Coolidge, Barry Bostwick and Jennifer Robinson. So that's almost reason enough to see it on its own. But to talk more about it, I called in comedian David Morgan, who you may know from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here Now, and who is currently working at Magic Mike Live in London. Now, I offered David their choice of films to watch, and this was their immediate reply. So did it go over as well as they hoped? Here's David. Let's find out. David, hello. Happy Christmas. How are you doing? Hello. Merry Christmas. I'm good. I'm uh, buying too much Baileys, but apart from that, uh, it's very exciting. <laughs> I mean, zero. I mean, I have my, I'm not very good with temperance in my general life. So I have these like built in barriers where I'm not allowed. So I don't, I, I'm not allowed to drink Baileys until the 1st of November. And I'm not allowed to add Disserano to it until the 1st of December. Those are the rules that I have. Uh, they don't, the problem is, though, the um, the timeline doesn't click back. So, like, I'm allowed to do it for as long as I want from that moment on until I'm done with it. So, normally, that kind of ends around kind of Easter time. This year, can't make any firm judgments. I think I'll be drinking this run and Bailey's until <laughs> this time next, next year. I'm actually going to pull myself on. <laughs> yeah, it's a literal way of getting into the holiday spirit. But, you know, whatever Isn't gets it? you through, it's important. I mean, I feel like this year, above all years, alcohol is the way. 
What else? What else have we got now? <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly leaning on chocolate. I'll be honest. There's quite Ooh, a lot of chocolate what going kind? on. What kind? But... What, what chocolates are we enjoying? Just anything? Any, any, any... Yes. Mm. Yes, all of them. Yes. No, I, I've I've been experimenting with all these Christmas flavors of of Cadbury's and Tony's Chocolonely and all the rest. Which Cab- is a little bit on the nose. No, as we need to go. discuss Tony's Chocolonely. <laughs> Everyone has yeah. only just discovered it. I've been trying to force it onto people for years. But why is it more delicious? Is it because you can't taste the slavery? I don't know. Like, does, I think so. does yeah. the wokeness of it make it better? Because it is tastier. It's just, it's so much it better. Is. And it anyone is. not eating that is obviously condoning the uh, slavery in Africa. So, guys, just pay an extra quid for your chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Say no to slavery, guys. Oh, Come my on. God. Come on, it's I Christmas. Mean, I, I, it, shouldn't, it, it, it shouldn't be controversial, but it appears it is. It shouldn't be controversial. <laughs> um, so, to get on to films for a minute. Yes. I assigned you, at your request, single all the way. I, I did request you, the gay you replied, one. replied, if much. I recall, in, in block caps. Yes, yes, yes. All caps. Like, the give gay me the gay one, one. Give me the gay one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what did you think? So... Uh, I'm a snob when it comes to watching anything and everything and listening to anything and everything. But I don't have favourites. I don't have good and bad. All I have is successful and unsuccessful. And this was a perfectly successful Christmas film. And that is true equality. The fact that it was cliched, predictable, and occasionally just goofy and terrible makes it equality. And I'm so happy that my people have finally got this. It's perfect. No need to no need to try and like subvert it. Just give me what the straights get, have them move back home and be happy and let's not think about the consequences of that and it being terrible. Just brilliant. Just And everyone in it's amazing. How can you how can you hate a film that's got both Kathy and Jimmy and Jennifer Coolidge in it? I mean, come on. That's my Venn diagram. Sister Action, Hocus Pocus, <laughs> and Legally Blonde. Come on, that's just like, I'm right in the middle of that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, it is, I mean, that, okay, that's an interesting point, first of all, because it, it echoes something that I, uh, not just me, lots of people have been saying for for years and years and years about female directors, for example. So the the the, the mark of success is not that an exceptional women, woman can get ahead in Hollywood. Yes. The mark of success will be when totally fine women get ahead in Hollywood the way oh. that totally fine men do. <laughs> when we get the female McGee, that is when, <laughs> that's when we know, when a woman can make Charlie's Angels 2 full throttle. That's when we know. And still have a career. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I keep going. I keep going. <laughs> One of my favourite films, by the way, so that's not. <laughs> oh, hey, no, I, I actually rewatched it recently for another podcast and it was colourful, let's say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can't see you. But the restraint that I witnessed go across your face, it was kind of like a, like a tiny wave of, and calm, say the word colourful and no one will question you any further. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It's camp, it's camp, we're allowed. I do love the first one, but the, the second one was okay. Yes, yes. I did also want to ask about something you also said, which is the the moving back to a small town element oh, of this, because this is such a, this is such a Christmas movie's cliche. Yes, everybody in a Christmas movie goes to a small town. Yeah, but it holds like a very specific queer experience, which I found quite interesting because um, every like gay I know, because I'm from Sully Hall in the West Midlands, just south of Birmingham. Like I could at least run away to Birmingham if I wanted to see some gays. America, it's even further pulled apart. And so there is an aspect of the queer experience, which is 
you you come out, you go to uni or college, whatever, and then you have to move to one of the gay centres. You don't have a choice because for you to continue your kind of grown up life, you have to be around other gay people and they aren't living in your village of, you know, 35,000 people. And so the idea of moving home to a queer person, I think is very, very different to the idea of moving home for uh, a straight person. But it does have parallels with all of those women who moved to the city to have it all as well. There is like an aspect where the, the, the queer experience does hit the female experience. But it's just, it, yeah. And then that, the Passag mum being like, maybe you should come home thing. That's real. Like, I, I cannot, <laughs> that is so real. But, the, but also the belief that they understand why you can't. Like, it's very thorny. It's very thorny. And also, this family seemed to be all right with everything. Obviously, one of the things I did enjoy about this film is it really did ignore uh, homophobia, <laughs> really. It just didn't really exist. There wasn't really any hatred, which is lovely. Thank you, Dan Levy, for starting that. Um, but, like, yeah, the moving home thing, not something I would ever do, ever, ever do. Like, I've moved to London mm-hmm. because that's where I very much need to be and I'm most comfortable. But this character was a plant gay, a gay that I am not. I managed to murder an unkillable terranium the other week so <laughs> i'm not green fingered but so they made they very kind of laid up the fact that he could move home but that's quite rare i think in, in gay experiences mm. I, I actually kind of do feel like there's maybe a niche in the market for a sort of reverse on that cliche like a christmas movie where a young lgbt person of yeah. whatever description moves to the big city and finds their tribe essentially i feel like yeah. that that film i haven't seen really In, yeah, um, but yeah there tri- is it is a parallel in another direction yeah definitely not a christmas i mean there's like the broken hearts club and stuff it's always like it's always cosseted around kind of coming out i suppose because that is sort of when you do it it's like mm. well i'm making one big change let's do the whole thing all at once and yeah there's like a few but they're not good or interesting <laughs> yeah like gay media is kind of fascinating like i'm excited at the moment because like gay appears to be like the new thing everyone's doing because obviously you've got uh billy eichner is doing his gay rom-com and then you've got um bowen yang is doing a gay rom-com with uh, some other gay comedians that i really like so especially in, well, in america's having like a queer comedy renaissance in the uk we're still mm. well anyway let's not let's not dwell on that too much it makes me sad but uh <laughs> <clears throat> you know, it's uh, it's working as much as it can. But in this, like, it's... I was really happy with how they dealt with everything. I mean, they definitely made us well aware that the love interest's um, parents were dead, so that was okay. We didn't have to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, Michael Yuri, adorable. Like, really well done. Like, he's so lovely. I'm a yeah. big fan. I'm scooting yeah. all over the place. Apologies. And the love interest, like, Philemon Chambers, just objectively one of the hottest men that exists on the planet right now. Yeah just like outrageously insanely good looking oh and they found ways to just be like he looked hot in a task rabbit t-shirt i mean that's impossible that's impossible like how can you look that green isn't it's not hot it's not a hot green and he was just sat on a roof and i'm like mm, yes please that's what i want yes please thank you very much also we know he's got he's gay because all the three main gays in it all actually gay in real life which just so you know straights we mm. can tell and that's why it's important so far, because there's no way Timothy Chalamet knows what Willie tastes like, and we can see it. <laughs> Sorry, Timmy. You're, it, I mean, you're, you're a good you've actor. Been blown wide open, but look, you just don't know. You just don't know it tastes like fresh avocado. You just don't. You can just see it happening. You can just see that there's, there's any straight actor 
there's always this like ick. There's this slight kind of, mm, I'm doing it. Oh, look, I'm doing it. Oh, I'm doing it for an Oscar. And you can just, you can, as a gay person, you can see it. Whereas this, like the stuff that the love interest was doing, like the little tiny, just micro expressions and stuff. It's just, it's, it's gay in a way that you can't pretend to portray. It's like, it's real. And that was really nice. Like, as a gay person watching gay media, it's just great when you know that it's not for laughs or not for an Oscar. It's quite a, it's quite a sort of a, a gentle movie. You know, it's very, like, everybody's very nice. It's very kind of calming. Is that, like, do, is there anything you wanted to see them kind of go harder on? Or do you feel like, no, this is, this is exactly what I need. It's a, you know, schloopy Christmas movie. Christmas is a, a difficult and fraught time for us all at all times. That is why I think we yield to these lifetime Netflix Princess Switch Christmas movies. Because I don't, I've I've been thinking all day. I don't want to think anymore. What I want is for some mild peril, which is my favourite film term, uh, mild peril to happen and me be like, oh no, but what if they can't get the Christmas tree in? And then they do. And I'm like, ah, and now it's nice. I don't want to think that it gave me that. That's all I need. Like, there was literally no peril at all. When the blind date boyfriend saw them together, he went, oh, not me then, fine. And this is a man who we are canonically told hasn't been laid for years. So uh, well done him, because I would have been an arsehole. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite chaste in that way, though. Like, you know... When he has the chance to go back with the blind date guy, he doesn't. He doesn't, you know, take him up on it. Uh, a first kiss on a second date, unacceptable. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Like, we haven't got time. You're in your thirties, babes. Just if he's not a good kisser, you're not paying for another couple of drinks. Like, you've got to do it on the first date. You've got to know if it. Uh, buying drinks for a bad kisser is like my. It's the thing I hate more than anything. I kiss so early on a first date because I'm like, we're getting on, we're having fun. I'm here, so at least you're fun on text. If you can't kiss, no, I'm out, like fully out. That's a, it's a precursor to everything. Oof. Ugh. I was once so mad. <laughs> I left it late and I kissed him and I was like, oh, this is, this is just bad. And I was like, oh, that's like four double gin and tonics that I bought this guy that are now a waste. How annoying. <laughs> He's now that a is like So you're Annie Hall in real life with this? Yeah, yeah very much so. Very, very, very much. <laughs> okay. I haven't got time. Like I'm 38. Come on. Sex is important to me. If you're not good at it, then this is all going to get failed. What's happening? <laughs> um, okay, speaking of uh, sex, frankly, mm. um, he's surrounded by models all the time. Now, I know in your day job currently, you essentially live in a very similar environment. Yeah, I uh, I work at Magic Mike Live. I'm the host of Magic Mike Live. And so the 14 men who I get changed next to are, uh, I don't know how you describe it, Adonises, like from Marble Adonises. And it's fascinating. But then my gayness, it uh, brought me up to be okay with this because I'm, my body is very much just a shelf for my head. Um, it just carries my brain from room to room and that's fine. I've done nothing to it. Um, I've developed a personality. Uh, also, I will never ever in my life hate my bodies as much as these men hate theirs. It is fascinating and it's work and I could not be bothered portioning my meals out in the way that they do. And the same with this, with these things. I think there's, an, there's a, the currency when you start out on your gay journey is not how hot you are, it's how fuckable you are. And that can be quite 
kind of detrimental and broken. And I think they touch on it ever so slightly, but it's not that much. But like the idea of getting to the A gay plaid party, not something I've ever done. <laughs> and also quite American. They really kind of, as with everything American, they industrialize all of their processes. And being gay is something they've industrialized. And that's what that, that bit is. We don't really have that in the UK. Like it's either you know Elton John or you don't. Those are the two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to put just just for the record, yeah. do you know Elton John? I do not know Elton John. I'm not at the same parties as Ollie right. for oh, Ollie yeah. years and years, which is sad. I've I've been to Ryland's house. There we go. We can, that's as far as I've got. There you go. <laughs> it's very shiny. But I mean the thing is when I when I heard plaid party, I had a vision of, you know, the lumberjack shirts that you get in a lot of these movies. And it was not that. This was fashion plaid. I was not prepared. Please, please. If you, a heterosexual, could understand, then why would us, the gays, be doing it? <laughs> we, would, we only do things that you'll be doing in three or four years. And you'll be like, mm-hmm. You know all those moustaches that the little kids are getting nowadays? Yeah, we did that a couple of years ago. Come on, guys. Damn it, I should have been taking notes. I knew it. (laughs) Hello, I'm Sam Pay. And I'm Martin Zotz-Austwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song Song by by Song, Song. where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, You might know him for his gravelly voice. (coughs) Very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. The next thing I was going to ask, and again, this is perhaps, you know, get interpretation for me. Plant Insta? Plant gaze? Is this, is this, a, is this a, again, a subcategory that exists here or is this an American thing? Is so it a thing? I've literally, so, as I, so I watched the film three times for importance and uh, just to prove how sexy i find Philemon chambers so uh, the note i have is in all caps uh, a plant gay exclamation mark because they do exist so plant gays are a thing it's because we can't have children of our own but sort of need to show our maternal slash paternal slash maternal instincts and so when you go to a plant gay's house first off very humid gets you out of your clothes quite quick very smart of them And then secondly, proves that they can look after something other than themselves, which is not something that I can portray. And so sometimes that's the thing you want to look for. For me, I'm like, maybe they'll feed them all to me. That'll be great. Other times you're like, this is too many plants. I feel like you're about to go, this is Jurassic Park. And it's just not sexy. (laughs) But no, a plant gay is a real thing. Also, there, there is the specifically queer experience of being fuckable on one Instagram and then having your hobbies on a second. That is very queer. Yeah, it's just just separation of church and state. Oh, 100%. Like, really, fully sexy people, himbos, if you will, cannot have hobbies uh, because that requires some brain power. So just look fit on this one. And then when I get to know you, you're allowed to tell me that you have a hobby. We're a simple people. (laughs) No, but this is interesting because it it actually ties into something I saw earlier this week, which Mm. was Graham Norton... Uh, interrogating Henry Cavill yes. about his nerdiness. I don't know if you saw this clip, but he was basically... What, have I seen Henry Cavill building a computer? Have I watched it 700 oh, no, times? I've seen that. I mean, obviously <laughs> you've seen that. Yeah. No, but the, the Graham Norton clip from earlier this week has 
has Henry Cavill also admitting to painting Warhammer figures, which, you know, is I've seen him do another it, level of I've nerdiness. seen him do it on live. Oh, Henry Cavill being a nerd is so frustrating to me because Henry Cavill is um, the epitome of the worst kind of actor in my head. He's one of those guys who's like, well, obviously, like, um, the only reason I'm acting is because I tore my Achilles in the rugger. So, like, uh, got to do something, prep school, haven't you? So I thought, well, let's do acting. And then because he's hot and posh, he just gets to do it. Because he's not good. He just looks really good in tight-fitting things. And now he's got to have personality on talk shows. Luckily, he's got nerd hobbies, which we all go, a hot person painting Warhammer. It's like, yes, if we allow a hot person to do things, they sometimes have hobbies. I feel sorry for him. (laughs) For the first time in my life, because I was like, uh, he's every every rugby boy who got into performance for the wrong reasons. Mm. Ugh. But no, he's he's a massive rugby nerd, I guess. Oh, a nerd him, and a rugby yeah. player. All him at once. building a computer on it, him building a computer from scratch was hot, like so hot. Because I used to build computers. It's hot. So annoyed about it. <laughs> <laughs> did I subscribe to his OnlyFans? <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would assume that uh, that would only have pictures of his dog, who is uh, exceptional as well. But you know. oh yeah, dog dad is another yeah. gay category. Yeah. But for me, that's a bit too much. This, I, don't I should want... be taking notes. This is so useful. <laughs> look, gays, look, we, are, we, are, we were brought up not straight, but we are still deep down white men in general. And so that requires categorization in order for us to understand how things work because, you know, we don't have to be blindsided with having to consider the world outside of our own reality. <laughs> no, but like the truth is, we're all just trying to figure out how this works anyway. It shouldn't matter at all. But for some reason, gay people really categorise so much of our lives and like want to gatekeep it a little bit. What I really enjoyed about this film actually was how how un uh, how he made his mum not feel like crap when she was trying to join in. So like with the Slay Queen sign mm. and the reading the book about how to love your LGBTQ son, I was like that. Some gays would like be and like really get pissy about it, and it's like no that. They don't know. That's the whole thing. Like they wish they did. They want to learn. They want to understand. And trying to join in is beautiful and should be encouraged and not derided. And I did enjoy that part of this mm. film. That, that it was like he wasn't trying to shut everyone out. Even his nieces and nephews and his sisters. Like it was very much. It was really family of being like, look, we understand why you're not here, but we prefer that you were. It was. It's cute. It was cute and unusual actually. And I thought that was a really good substitute, a dramatic substitute, if you like, for, this sounds really weird, it's a really good dramatic substitute for homophobia. But do you know what I mean? It's a really better way. It's it's something more interesting to discuss. It's something less horrible and horrifying to have to dwell on in a film. But it still is something to discuss because people don't necessarily know the right words and don't necessarily understand things. Mm. 100%. And that that, uh, kept coming up as well as a little aside. So when it was like, oh, maybe they should get them to help in the uh, in the pageant, it was like, well, just because we think all gay people are theatrical, it turns out that they're not all that. I've read that in a book, and it's kind of sweet. And that is a, a much more modern and correct take, because truthfully, there is homophobia. People experience homophobia. Homophobia happens all the time. But in a family like this, the one they're portraying on, on screen, homophobia with the family member is not is less likely to happen now than it was, because there are people to look at, and it's less mortifying for that family this is more interesting, the, the, the mum trying her best to figure it out. Also, we haven't discussed it yet, but Barry Boswick as the dad 
being, you know, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Perfect, just perfect, just obviously perfect. It's great. <laughs> this is this is a general thing about these movies. Like, because I, I obviously I've watched a lot of Christmas movies ahead of doing this podcast. We only cover a, a fraction of the ones, uh, new ones out each year, but. There is a real palpable difference when you have actual kind of movie stars in your movie. And so you, you have a Barry Boswick, you have a Catherine yeah. and Jamie, you have uh, a Jennifer Coolidge. It helps to yes. just make the script work better than it otherwise would. Because the love interest guy, he's in loads of Hallmark Christmas movies as a straight person. And that was kind of fascinating mm-hmm. to me. So it's like he brought the integrity of making it a real Christmas movie over from like hallmark amazing like that's kind of <laughs> so he brought the hallmarkiness yeah because also he is beautiful you're right yes i have not oh he is beautiful but you're right he's in christmas in my heart yep. taking a shot at love <laughs> chateau christmas valentine's match not a christmas movie but close enough sense sensibility and snowmen mm-hmm. uh, shoe addict christmas maggie's christmas miracle which seems to have two different names. Oh my god, that's <laughs> like, a lot of Christmas he's movies. Been in Mistletoe a... Promise, Christmas Land. Wow, he's Mister Christmas. <laughs> he made it real. He made <laughs> it a real Christmas, a real proper like Hallmark uh, lifetime Christmas movie because he did do that acting, like the right. the turn and smirk, the oh they're just from the city. Like he did the whole everything, all those bits, which I think take effort and work to make not look terrible. Look, I watched Father Christmas is Bat last night and I am still broken. <gasps> Full disclosure, that is one of the ones I considered because, you know, it's got recognisable people in it and it is one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> not, not just, like, it's not just bad. It's, it's, ba- it's just, who made it? With what? And why? And why is it just like, anyway, I can't, I can't. They had Kelsey Grammer and they just ruined it. But this is good. This film is good and sweet and has Jennifer Coolidge, which I wrote in all capitals. And the scene when she comes in wearing the Christmas ornaments and that isn't a payoff until right at the end. Perfect. I believe her and Catherine and Jimmy are sisters. Yeah, 100%. I think they are in real life. I'm, I'm assuming from, from now on that they are. Oh. And just to finish up on Father Christmas is Back and compare it to this film, one thing that I think that film did really badly, that was meant to be a rich family living in a mansion and their Christmas decorations were clearly bought from Poundland for like a pack of 100 for a quid. This one had the right kind of Christmas decorations. It had that like ongoing joke about the mother's funny signs yes. everywhere. It looked r- real. It looked right for what it was. Oh, this was definitely... somebody. Whoever wrote this, they've been to that house. They've met this family or, or maybe they're in this family because everything made complete sense. Like... The, the the mum being like, no, we're going to have a fake tree because I'm the one who has to clean it up. And then all of the kids being like, but this is what we want. The, the scene I really enjoyed was with uh, Jocelyn from Schitt's Creek, who has a real name, but I'm, I can't remember it. Uh, Jennifer Robertson, <laughs> there you go, who was great, by the way, really enjoyed her being annoyed that you have to wrap the presents at the same party in different rooms because that's what they did when they were kids and we've got our own houses like that specific annoyance but still doing it that's really like middle class christmas that is like why are we eating mince pies and drinking mulled wine on this day when i'm hungover because it's what we've done every year and we have to like it's that it's really nice that idea of like fitting in (laughs) it's great also really enjoyed her character thing of being able to improvise stories. 
that was fun. Came back a couple of times. She's just she's just amazing. Again, just really good comedy cast. Yeah. Um, and and I also liked that you can be a best-selling kids author and it's probably enough for a down payment on a small shop in a small town in upstate New York, but it's not necessarily going to get you a bigger house where you live on your own in LA. I oh thought my that God. was good. The honesty of that, like I could honestly hear writers punching the air. Like, I was there similar because like I've been on TV a little bit and everyone just assumes I'm now a millionaire and it's like, babes, if you knew, if you knew the economic reality of like being a, a creator, then you would understand that, yes, oh, I'm a best-selling, I was on the Amazon bestseller for a month and I've probably got £4,000. Like it's, you know, it, it was mm, perfect, perfect. The honesty of it. Absolutely, <laughs> the honesty. And his rescue dog as well. I mean, of course oh. he would write about his rescue dog. It makes perfect I mean, I'm not going to lie, it um, did need more of the dog. We needed more of the dog. It did, yeah, yeah. He should have brought the dog to to with him for Christmas, hundred percent. I felt like that was like a a note. That was a note when they were like putting the film together. It's like the dog had come with them, but then we're like the dog keeps going in the way, and we don't want to be mean to the dog. It was. It's, I just felt like that was a note because I, I remember them saying he's staying at the doggy hotel, and then there's a really cute bit when he starts getting pictures from the doggy hotel. To like be, it's okay. He's fine. He's having a lovely. He's having a lovely time in the pool with these other dogs. Weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what they ha- what happens in doggy <laughs> hotels in LA. Sure. Um, yeah, I, th- I don't think they're quite that glamorous here in the UK. Um, no. Okay, so we're both we're both pretty up on this. This was this mm. is, I think, one of the good ones this year. There there are a few every year, and and this I think is one of them. Yeah, I mean, I've put my parents on it because I'm like, it's it just makes you happy. I'm a little bit worried because, like, obviously, one of the things that my mum's had to deal with is me never living anywhere near them. And now this is going to make her be like, but Catherine and Jimmy got to live with her gay son. I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, but I'm not going to live in Yorkshire, am I? Because it's horrible uh, and cold. Also, reference humour appeared a lot in this film. There were, like, some really choice lines that each different character said. Namely, my favourite, which is the flames, flames from the side of my face, which is from Clue. And like, not, no one talks about it being from Clue, but me as a gay person who had no friends and watched all the things the gay people had to watch, I was like, my God, it's from Clue! And it was just sort of sweet that they kind of kept popping up. There was a few of them actually that happened and it was really sweet. That one, that one was one I, I leapt out at me, but mostly because I see it often as the meme. I don't see, mm. like, I obviously I've seen Clue a few times, but the meme pops up more than Clue does in my head. But it, <laughs> yeah, it was it was perfectly judged. Okay, there's a couple of questions that I ask everybody to yes. finish off with. First of all, do you, I know you've said you don't have really have favourite Christmas films, but I'm going to ask anyway, is there one that you tend to watch every year? Is there one that you think of when somebody says the words Christmas movie to you? Uh, I'm up at Christmas Carol is I mean it's it's cliche everyone's got the same one but uh, just uh, my my question when I meet someone on a first date is which is the Muppet that you think you are most like and which is the Muppet that you wish you were most like that is how I learn if the date needs to continue before I kiss them uh, I, I love the Muppets <laughs> more than anything the Muppet Christmas Carol is a perfect perfect Christmas movie and that that'll watch forever and then because it meant a lot to me as a kid Santa Claus the movie because it taught me what the colour puce was. <laughs> I have I have said this before on this show, but my dad tells me that that specific movie made me believe in Father Christmas for an extra several years <laughs> no beyond way. my natural inclination. So, yeah. I, I wanted that tricked out sleigh. I wanted it. 
But it also introduced me to Dudley Moore because I loved him so much. I then wanted to watch more Dudley Moore films. I wasn't old enough to watch the films I then watched, but it definitely brought me into comedy. <laughs> Thank you, Aunt Laura. <laughs> and my second question is, is there a Christmas tradition or something that you always do, apart from the Baileys and Disaronio, that like you have to have every year? Uh, so my, my, I, get a, I get a Christmas Eve present every year from my mum, if I'm home or not. And I used to think it was really cute. And it's always pyjamas. So I get pyjamas from my mum. And then as I got older, I realised the reason I got pyjamas from my mum is so I'd wear them and look good in the photos the next morning. And she sends them to me even if I'm not spending Christmas at hers. And so I love Amazing. it now. <laughs> and if I, when I, when I had a boyfriend for, I was with him for 13 years and he would get his Christmas Eve present of uh, extra pyjamas. So he would look good in the photos the next day as well. And I sort of... I enjoyed did, did, the control. Did you control. get matching ones? Uh, they, were, they were never matchy-matchy, but they were definitely from the same palette. And mine were always slightly more expensive than his, and you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing oh, work, that mother. Well done, mm. honestly. Amazing. <laughs> well, listen, David, thank you so much. Um, where can people find more from you, apart from, you know, down in Leicester Square at Magic Mike? Well, so I mean, Magic Mike, uh, nine shows a week, if you want to come and see that. Uh, and I would recommend you do. If you're scared as a woman, please come and see it. It's not the Dream Boys. It's not what you're expecting. It's incredible. Uh, and you can follow me on pretty much every single social media network at This Is David. Come and say hi. This is fun. I really enjoyed this. This was nice. Thank you. Hey, good. Yay. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And to you, Merry Christmas. Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production.